Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 100 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Jan Owen. Jan Owen is a highly regarded social entrepreneur, innovator, commentator, and author who spent the past 25 years growing the youth, social enterprise, and innovation sectors. In 2012, she was named Australia's inaugural Australian Financial Review and Westpac Woman of Influence. Jan has been awarded honorary degrees from the University of Sydney and Murdoch University, Western Australia, and was awarded membership to the Order of Australia in the year 2000. She is the author of Every Childhood Lasts a Lifetime and The Future Chasers. Jan is currently the CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians, was previously Executive Director of Social Ventures Australia and Founder and CEO of the Create Foundation. So in today's podcast, we'll discuss Jan's broad insights into social entrepreneurship and youth empowerment. We'll get Jan's thoughts and perspective on social enterprise opportunities and we'll hear what Jan believes can be done to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. Jan, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, Jan. So to kick things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to your passion of empowering youth? Uh, well, I have a really eclectic um, kind of background, I guess. I wish that I knew now what I knew or sort of thought about back then and how things link. And I think that things happen to us and we take different paths in life. And then kind of retrospectively about 25 years later, we see all the kind of connections. And so that's sort of what's happened to me. I was one of those entrepreneurial kids, like as a really young kid, I was the kid trying to sell, you know, lemonade at the top of my driveway after school every day, which is fine. And you know, lots of people do that. The only difference is that my driveway was, you know, an hour from a major city and two cars went on that road each day. One of them was my dad coming home <laughs> from work. So I sold him a glass of lemonade every day and that was like, the, that was it for lemonade stand jam. Your pocket money. <laughs> but I, um, you know, I was always, and I continued, I sort of um, started other little enterprises when I was a kid and enrolled my brothers and, um, you know, I was a CEO really early because I was uh, telling, you know, running a little company with with my three younger brothers, which was not easy Mm. and kind of went on all through school. And I was a really, really terrible student and um, a really bad learner. And so I kind of, in order to stay at school, which I had no choice about, I kind of created my own path and kind of learnt in a way through some of those things that I was doing. So I was kind of very um, always this kind of maverick entrepreneurial kind of coming up with ideas and getting things started. But at the same time, I had a 
really strong. My family were very, very involved in community. They helped set up Lifeline, which wow. of course now is a global organization. They helped set up that in Australia. And so from a really young age, I was also exposed to um, all kinds of things and um, people who for all kinds of different reasons had had tough times in their lives. Um, and so my parents and our family were kind of this open house where people would come and stay for a time while they got back on their feet, whether it was women and children escaping domestic violence or whether it was people who had fallen into some kind of hardship or, you know, kind of financial stress, um, lifeline. Uh, when it started, they were also not only phone counsellors, they were also kind of respite carers. So. Mm. At any one time, I would wake up in the morning and there could be any number of people in bed scattered around the house or on our lounge room floor. So that kind of idea that uh, of community and also that um, you people, things happen to people, but you actually, with the right supports, could reset and you could and you got another opportunity was really built into my kind of DNA. And then finally, I guess, even though I was a really terrible student, I did a lot of things um, in school and out of school that were kind of real leadership things. One teacher said to my parents and I once, you know, Jan is actually like a genuinely really great leader. And I kind of, that stuck with me for some reason mm. as, as an 11 or 10 year old. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And so those three things have converged throughout my whole life where I have used entrepreneurship for social change and um, also in leading um, new ideas and collaborations and working with other people really, really closely to, um, and particularly obviously with young people, which has been kind of a driving passion of mine as a young advocate and activist myself in my teens and in my 20s and then kind of leading and establishing organisations that were run with and by and for uh, young people in Australia. So I've kind of converged entrepreneurships meets social change meets kind of uh, leadership and kind of enabling leadership and promoting kind of the next generation as the thinkers and designers and innovators that we need. Mm. It's certainly a really, really inspiring background and story, Jan. So as CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians then, how do you believe we might best unleash the potential of young people to lead positive change in the world? Well, I guess there's a couple of things where we've been focused on. Um, and at FYA, we've taken a view about thinking about the future. And mm. so uh, much of our work is about kind of now and next and um, I think that that's really, really important because if we can ensure that young people have kind of a seat at the table uh, and more than that actually get to be the co-designers and kind of co-creators of the future that they want, then um, I certainly feel that that's um, very, very, very powerful. We've got kind of two generations at play at the moment. There's kind of millennials who are kind of moving into their mid-30s now who kind of led the charge on some of the new ways of thinking. They certainly had a new tool set, which no previous generation had access to, um, particularly with social media. So mm. they really exercised their power with that. I mean, I remember as a founder of Create, you know, which is really to the consumer group um, for young people in out-of-home care and foster care, you know, we used to sit around 
myself and all the young people that were involved and we employed a lot of young people um, in care and, and coming out of care and we used to stuff, you know, like 15,000 envelopes every couple yeah. of months to talk to, you know, to get messages to young people. Yeah. That was only 25 years ago and mm. now, you know, you can reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people with your messaging and, in fact, FYA does that itself you know we have a platform of 150,000 young people through our social media channels in Australia it's kind of one of the largest platforms for social change mm. um, and you see organizations like uh, youth climate coalitions of which we have a very large one here um, FYA's platforms and and others that have really constituencies or um, you know contributors and participants who are about four times the size of any political party in Australia. Mm. So this is an incredibly powerful strength. I mean, another great example is that in Australia, you know, as, as we know around the world, marriage equality is um, coming up through the legislature of many, many, many countries. And in Australia we had a survey um, about marriage equality and, you yeah. know, 60,000 young people in Australia who should have been signed up to the electoral rolls to vote and mm. had decided kind of not to signed up to vote for the marriage equality survey because it was about fairness and about equality. Yeah. Uh, so they may not have signed up to vote for a political party or an election, but they signed up to vote for fairness and equality. So what we see is young people super interested in fairness, equality, very interested in the sustainability of the planet, hyper-connected um, and also very concerned about their own personal futures as well around what the future of work will be, what sort of jobs they'll have, what they'll be doing. So FIA's work is very much about, you know, really powerful research. How do we ensure that we're, we're driving a national conversation and that there's real discourse about the issues now and into the future and, and how are young people at the centre of that. And then, of course, we back young people through our Young Social Pioneers Program, which is the largest um, incubator program for young social entrepreneurs in the country, um, and we back their ideas to change and then build an ecosystem around them so that they can thrive. Mm. So we're kind of super interested in information, really good information and sharing stories. We're interested in backing great ideas and then... Three years ago, we set up YLab, which is really our social enterprise at FYA, where young people are design consultants and specialists who go and work alongside corporations, governments and not-for-profits to think about how they could do their work differently and how they're going to engage not just millennials but now the next generation, which are called Gen Z, of course, just for mm. something original. But we call them Generation Compassion and they're a group that are completely different again to millennials. Mm. That research work you've talked about has certainly had a big impact and the New Work Order research series now encompasses six reports to date from my understanding and it's analysed how disruption to the world of work has significant implications for young Australians. So could you please highlight what you believe will be the biggest factor affecting youth in the coming five to ten years and what can be done to ensure that youth succeed in this changing world? Yeah, so, Tom, we, as you rightly say, we've produced six reports in the last three years. So we've been um, absolutely driving and at the forefront of a, a national conversation. Mm. And I think there's three things that are worth pointing out. 
Um, number one is that this is a global issue. It's not just a, an Australian issue or national issue. Our research showed that the forces of change at work in the world in terms of automation, uh, globalisation and kind of flexibility, so a non-linear world of work, the idea that you can have one dream job for life and, you know, 37 years and collect the gold pan and yeah. off you go to re retirement is <laughs> kind of done and dusted. Um, so we're in a very, very different environment and that's a glo that's happening globally. It's not just happening to, you know, young people in one place. Mm. Um, the other thing I think that was really important is that our research pointed out that there is in that context and in that new environment, there is the requirement for a new set of skills and capabilities to navigate um, but also to be equipped to thrive in it, not just survive. And so whilst we, and this took us to education, of course, in, inevitably. Yeah. So whilst we have had one education system, the big question, of course, around the world is that it's not fit for purpose. It's a 20th century education system and in the fourth industrial revolution we need a new education and learning system. And it has a few features which are uniquely different to the past. Number one, it's built around skills and capabilities and knowledge, not just knowledge. So a content-led education and, and higher education system that we've had is all about content. We are now talking much more about skills, capabilities, knowledge, and also disposition. What are the things that you care about and that you're passionate about? The other thing that we know is that learning is going to be lifelong. The university degree, unless it's highly technical, has got about a two-year shelf life. So that means that we're learning on the job, we're learning in and out of jobs, and we're learning through many, many ways. And so immersive real-world learning is one of the new principles of education now and into the future. And then this idea that, um, you know, if we're going to be learning a lot in different ways, then we need to actually have much more porous boundaries between these old silos, you know, mm. and we've had silos of, you know, primary school and high school education and then, you know, technical education or university education and then work and, you know, you might get some PD. I would like to see the boundaries as being much more porous and focused on the learner. What, what does it look like if a learner is creating their own learning journey throughout their whole life and how are we enabling and supporting that? And that is definitely what the future looks like for young people. We're also in a position where there aren't actually enough jobs and certainly in countries like Australia, um, there are not actually enough jobs. So we have high youth un and underemployment. Mm. And so being a job creator not just a job seeker, is now part of the skill and capability set of kind of future generations. And that's where, again, entrepreneurship becomes front and centre. And in a generation that is very, very, very focused on meaning and purpose and what does real value mean and how do you add real value, then social entrepreneurship, of course, which is an area that we work in at FIA, becomes kind of a really, really fantastic um, mechanism or tool for job creation um, as well. So the future of work looks really, really, really different. Um, I think that there are enormous opportunities, uh, huge opportunities for people if, but only if, young people have the right tools and capabilities and skills and knowledge and know how to apply them. So they've had real world, real immersive, real hands-on experience from the get-go, from a really young age, not kind of so that you don't get future shock at 18 when you yeah. walk out of the, you know, the classroom or the school gate. 
Mm, certainly. There's some really, really great insights there, Jan. So as one of the speakers at this year's Social Enterprise World Forum in Edinburgh, what are you most looking forward to about the forum and what advice would you give to the youth listening to make the most of this experience? I mean, every Social Enterprise World Forum is a phenomenal. Mm. Um, it's And this is the 10th anniversary, so of course it's going to be extra, extra, extra special yeah. um, to be in Edinburgh where it all started for the 10th anniversary. So I'm just super excited about being there. Mm. I'm excited about being in Edinburgh when it's not winter. Uh, so that's going to be huge and positive. Um, and I'm really excited. There's going to be kind of an emerging talent uh, program and stream in um, at the World Forum that's being shaped up right now and, and in you know, in partnership with lots of young entrepreneurs. So I'm very, very excited about how is it that, you know, as a mechanism and as a alternative actually to kind of what I see really as a kind of a last century model of business, you know, I think we're very ready for capitalism 2.0 and all the iterations of that, the many, many iterations of that. Mm. Um, I think that as, as one mechanism, and I hope that at the World Forum, and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about other mechanisms as well. There's a lot of work going on in Scotland around cooperatives and, um, and other new models. You know, social enterprise is one of the, the models that we're looking at. Um, and I think we also need to not get confused that social enterprise is just about the social entrepreneurs. Um, social enterprises are often set up in communities by local communities. They're often set up by like-minded people. Um, they're often set up by uh, alliances of different groups. So let's be really clear that there's been, I think, a really interesting kind of debate around social entrepreneurship in its own right and yep. you know there's been a lot of conversations and stuff written about heropreneurship and mm. you know the privileged few who come in to rescue you know everybody else yep. uh, through and use kind of social entrepreneurship to do that I want us to understand that social enterprise is much much broader than that um, and it is often uh, teams and groups of people coming up with new ways of doing things and creating value that really really generate opportunities for others and enables inclusive um, opportunities so um, some of the best you know social enterprises in the world are ones which have been you know enabled people who would not have been able to work for whatever reason access to the dignity and meaning of work others have enabled new products and services to be developed um, again with people who would not normally have been able to get their product and service to market except through joining up with others and so on so um, I think we need to have a really strong view about what we mean about social enterprise again we're rethinking and redesigning the systems of the world. That's an incredible conversation to be in. It's like a once-in-a-hundred-year conversation. Mm. So for every young person who's coming to be involved in thinking about how we're going to redesign the systems and the institutions that shape our world and what role does social enterprise have in that as one of the co contributions um, to that that adds value and provides meaning and purpose as well as profit mm. um, that's distributed differently, this is the time to be in one of the most exciting conversations on the planet. No, I absolutely agree and I cannot wait to be there myself and to see you over there, Jan. So to the youth listening and those that are either running or are looking to start up these youth-led organisations, 
What recommendations would you make to help them successfully create positive impact, grow, and be sustainable over the long run? <laughs> that's a that's an entire program. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I could... would say if they're in Australia, apply for Young Social Pioneers because that's where you'll get that that opportunity to um, deep dive for many months and then for the next year get all kinds of different support. Um, so I think that um, I'm serious. I think you should look. I'm a huge um, advocate for apprenticing the problem. Mm. So um, as much as I have always been a dive-in person and I've set up a lot of enterprises and a lot of different ventures, I believe in doing one of two things or both if you can. First of all, apprentice the problem. If you if it's not if that problem that you're trying to solve is not part of your lived experience, then go and find the people who you can collaborate with who mm. might be interested. Sense check that your idea if it has any value or meaning or purpose at all in the world and it's not just your great idea that you came up with, you know, at the yeah. pub or in the shower. Um, so find the people who you can work with on it. Um, definitely find collaborators anyway, even if it is a lived experience that you're trying to um, to think through. Really, really live this or understand it from the people or from the product user that you're trying to um, work with. That's number one. Number two is I think it's really, really important, as I said, to find collaborators and then also to find mentors and coaches. Hmm. Um, I think, again, we underestimate that there are a heap of people out there who have who've done things and learned and got a lot of scar tissue and I'm a huge believer in scar tissue. So find people with scar tissue um, who can share their journey and their stories and are prepared to offer you advice. And then I think, you know, the other thing about getting started is the latest enterprise that I've been involved with, at, which is ours at um, FYAY Lab, you know, really spent a heap of time getting clarity around its purpose and its mission and bringing young people to the conversation, to the design, to the delivery, to, you know, every single part of this. And mm. that's because, you know, it's a truly youth-led, you know, co-created uh, social enterprise. So, again, you've got to be very, very, very clear and very true to what it is that you're doing. Um, and then finally, I think the biggest thing that happens to people is that you get a great few first couple of years often. Yep. Uh, then you got kind of hit the valley of death. Mm. <laughs> often it's to do with money. And so thinking really early about how you plan to get through that, what the likely uh, challenges are going to be, and thinking really early about how you're going to traverse those and what help you're going to need and where you're going to need to get it, I think is super super important i mean there's as i said there's 20 different things that are on the checklist but there's a couple just to get started i think there's some great suggestions there so you've been in touch with many different social enterprises yourself so what are some inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently which are really um, engaging young social enterprise leaders and entrepreneurs and and helping them create that that positive change Wow, that's a great question. Um, there's a couple that just spring to mind. We have a group here called Catalyzer, mm. and Catalyzer have just really set up the equivalent kind of support system and kind of incubator that we kind of look for and um, 
and run at FIA but for migrant entrepreneurs. And so Migrapreneurs is a really, really new and very fast-growing um, area of support and development going on in Australia at the moment. Mm. Um, and that's been super exciting to see a couple of our young entrepreneurs leading that and uh, Usman, who's one of the founders, just got named actually the Commonwealth Young Person of 2018, Fantastic. which is for his venture, which is pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, we also see, of course, a huge amount of interesting stuff in um, tech. And so um, your uh, Scotland's very own Ali Watson, who right now lives in Australia, set up something called Code Like a Girl and just smashing all the kind of um, – you know, glass tech bite ceilings, yeah. Silicon Valley ceilings for young women to ensure that young women know how to code and get passionate about it. And, mm. you know, our research is really clear on this. Seven in ten jobs are going to need a high level of digital skills in the future. And by future, we mean next five, ten years. So um, having ensuring that everyone has access to the skills and capabilities to thrive in a kind of a different environment, again, is really, really, really important. And Ali Watson and Code Like a Girl are, are a phenomenal, phenomenal um, group. Um, I'm also really interested in things that are around, you know, some of in Australia we have really pressing Indigenous issues and we've got young entrepreneurs uh, like Rona, Glenn McDonald, who set up a platform uh, to bring together, you know, Indigenous stories, not only past but but, but current mm. and um, bringing those in a really, really accessible um, and powerful way to non-Indigenous people and taking people on a journey, um, all driven by a really, really unique and wonderful tech platform. Um, people like Chris Rain who have been going really hard at kind of stuff like binge drinking, yep. you know, came out of, you know, set up Hello Sunday Morning, which is going kind of gangbusters and kind of going global as a platform to help people just rethink their relationship with alcohol. So whether it's sort of social issues that, that are kind of end up being policy issues like, you know, drinking and health, whether it's um, reconciliation with things like common ground and Indigenous issues, whether it's new skills and things like, you know, what Ali Watson's doing with coding, or whether it's actually inclusion, social inclusion, things that Usman and Jacob are doing with Catalyzer, you know, growing a next generation of entrepreneurs that come from really diverse cultural backgrounds in Australia. Um, all those things are very, very, very powerful from my perspective. Absolutely, they are. And I'll leave some links to those in the article so that our listeners can click on through and have a look. So, Jan, as an author yourself, could you please recommend a few great books to inspire our listeners? <laughs> oh, no. I was asked about this just the other day and I was like, great books. Um, I am still a Malcolm Gladwell fan. Mm. I just so firmly believe, you know, in so many of the kind of really fantastic insights he has about human behaviour and and um, how we how we work together. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Jeremy Hyman's latest book about power is really really great. Really good insight about um, power shifting, and I think you know one of the one of the things that you have to talk about when you're talking about redesigning institutions is you have to talk about power and power shifts and you have to talk about resources and how resources flow and to whom and when mm. and on what basis. So, 
you know, you can have all the great ideas in the world, but if you starve those ideas of resources because you still insist on supporting kind of the old institutions because they're kind of safe and known, then I think we're, we're, we're in a really difficult place to back real innovation and real social innovation particularly. So um, super interested in power, how power shifts, how we're going to have the really, really difficult conversations, but also how we're going to move things, how we're going to move power, how we're going to move resources, how we're going to enable many more people to have access. So that's good. Um, Steven Pinker, I really like still, of course. I don't know. There's a lot of great people and I don't have my list, but I can get you a list. Uh, somebody sent me a list of some of the um, most fantastic author, women of colour authors around the world at the moment, and I'm going to make my way through that list. Um, Charlie Ledbetter put out a fantastic kind of philosophy meets education meets learning meets politics list uh, recently, which looks fantastic. Mm. So I'm kind of going to I'm kind of going to borrow from some other people's list, but I'll get you a list, Tom. That sounds great, Jen. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for sharing such fantastic insights and your time and, and experience today. I very much look forward to seeing you at the World Forum and very much appreciate the time that you've shared. So thanks so much. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing everyone there. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.